Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. I know we've been following this. It's been quite a journey, uh, and there's still a long way to go. Uh, I just share with my colleagues, and I'm withdrawing my name as a candidate for the speaker-designee. If you look at over the last few weeks, if you look at where our conference is, there's still work to be done. Uh, Our conference still has to come together and is not there. Uh, There are still some people that have their own agendas. And I was very clear, we have to have everybody put their agendas on the side and focus on what this country needs. This country is counting on us to come back together. This House of Representatives needs a speaker and we need to open up the House again. But clearly, not everybody is there. And there's still schisms that have to get resolved. That was Congressman Steve Scalise yesterday saying, yeah, we don't have a speaker. We don't have a speaker and it ain't going to be me and I'm not going to be speaker, even though in the closed door session they voted for me uh, uh, to be uh, the speaker. But it turns out that once you put pen to paper and you take a look around, uh, when it gets to the House floor, I've got a problem. That problem being... You don't have the votes. You don't have the votes. <laughs> You're going to need congressional approval and you don't have the votes. He doesn't have them. He doesn't have them. Will Jim Jordan have the votes? Will he be the speaker? Will it be Patrick McHenry, the Senate uh, pro tem? My God, they could give this back to McCarthy. I said you need a plan. Now it just looks clown show-esque, right? I mean, that's just not Democrats saying that. This just looks weird. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. I have got updates on Israel on the so-called Day of Rage. Everything that discussed on that you should have for college campuses everywhere but the speaker thing which affects a, a lot of things it's just like israel and and this invasion uh by by hamas this attack by hamas the hamas being a terrorist organization whatever you want to call it uh it, it it affects a lot of things including the border and including a lot of safety and security issues for the u.s you need the speaker you need the leader to be able to get things going otherwise how does one really have regular order that's uh, the problem And Republicans don't seem to have a plan. Ed Morrissey joins me right now. He is the man in charge of hotair.com, hotair.com. You know, I was joking with you before we started. This is very much uh, Monty Python calling their shot. Nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. We still don't know who the speaker is going to be. And a guy can win in the closed door and not be able to get the votes on the floor. What happened here? Uh, Well, I, I, to be honest with you, Tony, I'm, flat out flummoxed by this. I mean, if you're going to have a nominating process, right? I mean, I think the basic understanding of that is whoever wins that will get the support of the entire caucus. So what you had here is people arguing, people, by the way, who probably won seats by something like, you know, two points or three points uh, to get into Congress in the first place, that the only person who's a legitimate contender is somebody who can get all 217 votes in an election. Well, that's nonsense, right? I mean, this is absolute nonsense. So now they're going to have another nominating process, I guess, in which nobody's going to be feel, feel bound to uh, 
to support the results. So what's the point? I don't understand what they are doing here at all. This is nothing more than a collection of personal grievances getting in the way of doing the nation's business. And this is a bad time to be stumbling around like this when you've got all sorts of crises erupting um, internationally. You've got the border crisis on the uh, southern border. And the only lever of power that Republicans control, they've basically um, given up because they can't decide who gets to put their hand on it. I mean, this is it's it's so silly. There's been there's nothing here that's substantive. It's all just for the clicks. That's so. So for the clicks is, of course, a conversation about Congressman Matt Gates and why we went through this process of motion to vacate. Uh, to to begin with, I uh, opposed it because I wanted a plan, and well, it turns out I was right that a plan is is a good thing here. But what what is it about Steve Scalise? I mean, he has been there for a very long time. Yes, he was McCarthy's number two, and that could just be it. This is the guy who got shot at the congressional baseball practice uh, by the Democrat, the Bernie brother. Uh, who was trying to destroy uh, the American way of life by trying to destroy government. I, I guess that's the way we, term we engage terminology now. Um, he, he's got a story. He, he has been uh, effective to get this level of leadership. Why are people like Massey and Roy so opposed to him? I, I mean, again, I, I wish I could come up with rational reasons why we're doing this, Tony, but I just can't. There's no rational reason for this. Scalise, I mean, they, they deposed Kevin McCarthy, the two people who are uh, in the running for this were both people who supported Kevin McCarthy, Steve Scalise and Jim Jordan. Both of them supported Kevin McCarthy in that motion to vacate uh, thing. They, they are pretty much going to pursue the same policies that Kevin McCarthy was going to pursue because the circumstances of, their, of, of, of what's going on in Congress hasn't changed. Democrats still control the Senate. Democrats still control the White House. You only have a nine-seat majority in the House of Representatives. There's only so much you can do. And so there's, there's no real point to this other than there's a bunch of personal grievances that are getting in the way of getting business done. And I think people looking at this are shaking their heads and wondering whether Republicans can even bring themselves to govern any longer, in large part because you've got a, a small but... Um, um, adequate contingent of people who don't want to do anything, who just really want to tear the whole thing down. I have always bristled, talking to Ed Morrissey of hotair.com, I have always bristled at this idea that Republicans don't want to govern. They, 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 they just aren't interested in actually doing the governing. This at least lends credence to that argument, and I have to now uh, allow it in. The the people who supported Gates in in the motion to vacate, never mind those members of Congress. I'm talking about the people uh, all across the country. They really believe that the you know you created a, a side deal regarding Ukraine spending. You went to the Democrats to get the continuing resolution. This is unacceptable, and it it, it was it was devious. I think is the way people took it, and we can't have this this happen. They actually take it from a a moral side that. Mm -hmm. The only way to fix the problem, Ed, is to actually fix the problem. And I understand those people like like those. Those are my people. I get it. I just think that you have to have a plan. Is there something in your view to the idea of the Republicans, once they get the power, they're actually afraid to utilize it? Well, utilize it to what end? I mean, the reason why Kevin McCarthy had to go to the Democrats for that CR, for the clean CR for 45 days is because he couldn't get um, the the Gates 8 
to support the other CR that he put out there that actually did reduce uh, discretionary level spending, I believe by 8% across the board. And it wouldn't have gone through the Senate, but at least it would have given them some leverage to negotiate over a CR while they're still working on these 12 appropriations bills. They're not talking about omnibus bills. McCarthy was opposed to an omnibus bill. He still he was still sticking with the 12 normal order or regular order appropriation bills, but he didn't want to shut the government down, in large part because government shutdowns play very badly for Republicans, especially in this, in this instance. So he offered a CR that cut spending, and they didn't want to support it. Um, without full and unanimous support for that, the only way to keep government open was to go to the Democrats and, and arrange for a 45-day CR that was clean. And that, by the way, was competing against another CR that was percolating in the Senate, which would have been worse. So because yeah, he was well, able to get that through, because he was able to get that through with Democrats on the House, and uh, the Senate ended up adopting McCarthy's CR which gave him 45 days of, of the same level of spending until they got those 12 bills passed. Um, now, I guess you can com you can complain about that, but I, if the only alternative was we're going to shut the government down until Democrats you know, in, in the Senate and the White House completely accede to the demands of eight people in the House, uh, you know, <laughs> that's not much of a plan, and it's not very realistic. So you're, you're, you're making the argument that that, you know, it's Republicans fall in love. Democrats fall in line. Right. We hear this time and again that that Republicans, they, they, they don't and they won't. And there they there's there is for some possibly the idea of the individual over the the the, the general. Um, again, there is the spending issue that uh, the people across America want to do away with. But as we now look forward. You don't have Scalise, which is really a, a kind of yeah. noble thing to do is to say, you know what? I, I'm not going to get the votes here. I, we, can, we can't do this anymore. I'll step out. Go elect Jim Jordan, except it might not be Jim Jordan. Patrick McHenry is the speaker pro tem. He is possibly uh, a, a, a candidate in this. Some people are now bringing up Tom uh, Emmer from Minnesota, uh, who you are familiar with, the minority yep. whip. And then there's the people who still want to bring back Kevin McCarthy. So are we with Scalise out any closer to a speaker? Nope, we are not. Fantastic. And, yeah, this is just fantastic. Yeah, this is all great. We're no closer to it than, than uh, you know, until people get embarrassed. And I'll tell you one reason why I know we're no closer to it. A bunch of people left and went home to their districts yesterday and, and today. They're, they're supposed to be a, 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 a caucus this morning or this after early this afternoon. Uh, among House Republicans, and there are going to be a number of members that don't show up to it because they're sick and tired of it. It's a waste of time. And so they all went home. Uh, so no, we're not any closer to this. We're not going to be any closer to this, at least for several days. You know, I like Tom Emmer. Tom Emmer would be fine. Uh, I like Steve Scalise. I like Jim Jordan. I like Kevin McCarthy. Uh, you know, I like Patrick McHenry, for instance. And, you know, if they want to make Patrick McHenry speaker, that's fine. Whoever is going to be speaker is going to have the exact same problems that Kevin McCarthy had. He's got a nine seat majority. He will have a nine seat majority in the House, mm -hmm. a Democrat Senate and a Democrat president. And, and eventually. And, have pass and one has to assume there's not going to be a change on the motion to vacate. Like that's still going to be part of the, the rules package. Are they going to they're going to realize, hey, maybe we're not going to do that. 
Well, I'll tell you what I think is one of the things that could happen. I'm not going to say it's likely, but one of the things that could happen is you may have some of those people who are so disgusted in the Republican conference that they go over to the Democrats and say, we're going to propose a moderate and we need you guys to line up behind them. And the price for that will probably change the rule on the motion to vacate to make the threshold back up to 50 uh, plus uh, concessions on things like rules and the and spending. Um, and, and well, spending and spending and and possibly the um investigations into Biden incorporated these are well, the things see, that may be blowing up over this stupid petty useless fight over who's going to be house speaker i'm here to tell you that if we lose the impeachment inquiry i will i i will support anybody who runs against matt gates we lose the impeachment inquiry over this i'll be out of my head let me let me change gears on you uh, because there's been a there as, as we're watching things unfold uh, in in Israel and we're watching uh, this war as Hamas uh, attacked Israel, Hamas, a terrorist organization, murdering uh, twelve hundred, uh, getting ready for a ground offensive. Warnings have been given via the United Nations to get out of northern Gaza. People are saying, how dare you? Uh, but of course, they always say, how dare you? Uh, there's been a conversation among some, including presidential candidates, about is helping Israel different than helping Ukraine. And why are we so focused on this? Uh, this came to a bit of a head for you when you saw uh, Vivek Ramaswamy uh, on with Tucker Carlson on X. And, and this was your headline, Ramaswamy, American support for Israel is all about the Benjamins or something. That is, uh, of course, relating that to Congresswoman Ilhan Omar and saying that Jews uh, have hypnotized, Israel has hypnotized the world and it's all about the Benjamins. It's the only reason anybody cares about Israel. That leads you over there at hotair.com to a story about the GOP having selective moral outrage driven by money. Here's the quote. That is the screenshot right there uh, regarding uh, uh, Vivek on uh, Tucker Carlson's show. The selective nature, says Vivek Ramaswamy, of ignoring certain other conflicts, even more importantly, ignoring the interests of the U.S. right here at home is what irritates the heck out of me. It is shameful. And I think that there are, frankly, financial and corrupting influences that lead them exactly to speak the way they do that's just the hard truth. In your view, Ed Morrissey, that's Ilhan Omar talk? Basically, yes. And look, he went on Hannity last night to say, I was talking about the Azerbaijan, the, the focus on Azerbaijan, as if we've all been <laughs> discussing nothing but Azerbaijan and Armenia for the last mm -hmm. week. It's nonsense. This guy is a demagogue. He's a liar. <laughs> I mean, in public, he's he's not even good at it anymore. Um I find it extremely offensive that the idea that supporting our ally, our allies, has anything to do with being bought off. Nobody's giving me gold <laughs> to talk about Israel. Nobody's given, uh, you know, normal, rational politicians gold so that they support Israel. Any more than they, any more than that's true for Ukraine. Any more than that would be true for any of our allies. There are allies because we share common interests. Uh, Israel is our ally because it's the only liberal democracy in that region <laughs> that is willing to defend Western values. They are on the they are on the tip of the spear in this bloody jihadist war. Something that we learned after 9/11 and we've since forgotten. 
And you've got idiots all over the country today that are going to be running around celebrating Hamas as decolonizers today. Um, this is, I mean, I, I just find this to be extremely offensive and I would say disqualifying. Of course, you, you, you know, that's up well, to the voters, but I think it's, I mean, it's it is always up to the voters. But it was interesting, you know, the, the Hannity interview, which is, is, is a worthy watch. Uh, because it, it is kind of thunderous in, in, in this way. And I wonder if you're Iowa, if you're New Hampshire, are you, Vivek is in fourth place right now nationally. It's Trump, DeSantis, Haley, and, and Ramaswamy. And for many people, it's Trump and nothing else when you talk about a 30-point spread. Sure. Um, right. Is this the moment that somebody like Pence and Scott, because they're the only two guys who can do it because they play in that exact moral clarity world, can say, who the hell do you think you are? I mean, go after him 24-7 and break uh, his his fourth-place position? I'm not sure he has a fourth-place position. To be honest with you, I mean, national we're, we're, seeing, we're, seeing, we're seeing national polling, but, you know, it's I, I don't take a lot of stock in polling. Is he spending money on the ground? Is he building organizations? You know, you've got you've got Pence on the ground. You've got um, you know Trump is basically a, a ground starter. Anytime he shows up, he's he's got people on the ground, right? Uh, you know, DeSantis has got people on the ground. I think Haley is uh, investing in some organizational stuff. I don't think Ramaswamy is doing anything other than just doing what he's doing right now. Um, so I don't expect Ramaswamy really to be even competitive in a place like Iowa or even at a place like New Hampshire, which is probably a little bit better suited to his, um, to his brand of politics. But um, yeah, I, I think that Pence may end up doing that. Pence was certainly willing to go after him in both of the, uh, both of the televised debates. And Not I as think, much as Haley. well, I think Haley's going to go after him again too. Well, I think Haley going after Vivek Ramaswamy goes without saying. Ed Morrissey, hotair.com. I appreciate you being with us. Man, I ran late. I apologize. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz Today. The UAW strike continues. Sean Fain, the president of the UAW, United Auto Workers, striking against the big three. That's Ford, that's General Motors, and that's Stellantis. Saying that the strike is entering... A new phase. Of course, it was the Ford plant that went out on Wednesday there in Louisville. What's the new phase? Moving forward, we will be calling out plants when we need to, where we need to, with little notice. So stay ready, not just Fridays and not just Ford. He's having way too much fun with people's lives. And and, and he comes across like a a giant jerk. You're wearing that T-shirt, Eat the Rich. Don't you want people on your side? And I think it was one of the execs at Ford who came out and said, do you not realize we can't give you what you want? Like, we're we're there. We made the, we made the offer. So I got to assume that there's going to not only be more walkouts, but there's going to be lockouts. No, 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 we're done with you. We're good. We're done. You guys got to come to the table with a real offer and a real deal. We're willing to make one, but that's it. And I think part of it, I mean, part of it is always the negotiation. You never really know what's going on behind the scenes. Like, the stuff is heavy duty. I think Sean Fain has, because he likes the camera and forgot the job, um, Sean Fain is is losing uh, credibility. Like, okay, well, we'll let's, let, let's take this all the way. Let's see what you look like to the rank and file when it's all done. Now, 
to the progressive faithful who love a union, well, maybe that's who he's actually working for. Meanwhile, the situation in Israel from somebody who has been in Israel, that story coming up. Are they united and are they ready for the fight? This is Tony Katz today. Tom Rose was a senior advisor to Vice President Mike Pence, a strategist for the vice president, worked with him in the governor's office in Indiana, and before that he was the publisher of the Jerusalem Post. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, good to be with you. I have known Tom for a while. He would be a guest host on my home station, WIBC, in Indianapolis. He was a guest uh, and a, a very, very keen mind and a very, very large understander of not only uh, current uh, Israeli politics, but Israel historically has spent much time in Israel and has been in Israel when the attack started from Hamas, murdering over 1,200. He had reached out to me earlier this morning. I said, we have to talk about what it is you're experiencing, Tom Rose, on the line, uh, called in uh, to talk about what's happening and where Israel is. Is this a unified nation? What is the, the, the feel on the ground? And started with, I didn't know exactly where he was. I didn't know where he was in Israel. So started with that. Tom, where are you in relation to the Gaza Strip? Well, I'm about, good morning, Tony. Uh, nice to hear your voice. <clears throat> I'm just north of Tel Aviv in a town called Herzliya, which is a, a suburb just north of Tel Aviv. So I'm about... I don't know, 40 miles from Gaza. It's a tiny country. So uh, all the aerial activity, uh, you know, unfortunately, we get a bird's eye view of. Uh, So you're talking about the rockets that are being fired uh, from Hamas. You're talking about Iron Dome. Um, People would consider it away from the quote unquote action. But as you discuss, it is a it is a small country. You're you're there right on uh, on the Mediterranean Sea. Give me an idea of the last seven days that you've experienced. Well, it's uh, it's been, you know, to sound Dickensian, it's been uh, uh, the worst of times and the, uh, the best of times. We all know the horror stories which uh, continue to come out that each one uh, surpasses the next in brutality and savagery. There was a case this morning of a funeral that had to be postponed because a grenade was found inside the body of the deceased as if to cause, you know, another terror attack at this poor man's funeral. Uh, The barbarism, the savagery um, is simply beyond description, but compare. I'm not aware of any circumstance. I think it's an historic first uh, for a mass, you know, several thousand people, simultaneous terror attack, the purpose of which was not simply to murder, but to terrorize. Um, It succeeded on that front. But the best of times in terms of how the country, which, uh, Tony, as you know quite well, is (laughs) otherwise very fractious, uh, 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 very uh, uh, divided and vocal on on all issues, has united to a point of singularity, uh, unlike anything the country has seen since its founding in 1948. Talking to Tom Rose, former publisher of the Jerusalem Post in Israel, just north of Tel Aviv. 
this coming together, I know they're creating the unity government, which happens in times of war, which is more of a political posturing. So one party in a multi-party uh, country like Israel isn't blaming another party for this, that, or the other. But does the coming together mean that Israel has now decided, okay, uh, this, this, this Hamas conversation is over. They have to go, and if that means devastation in Gaza, that's okay by us? Oh, I think, I can't speak for the government, obviously, the new government, which was uh, just sworn, uh, sworn in yesterday, just took office uh, today, this morning, last night. As far as the country is concerned, you're absolutely right. That conversation is over. If anything, the pressure is mounting um, for this action, for this activity. The government keeps asking for time and understanding that these things take planning and logistical coordination, that kind of thing. But patience, if there was any to begin with, is gone now. And the time for uh, concern about uh, the humanitarian conditions of the other side uh, are now secondary, if not tertiary. This is a this is as existential as it gets. It's been demonstrated in the past seven days. It is kill or be killed. And the purpose of the state of Israel is to ensure uh, that it's our enemy that is uh, devastated, not us. That's the purpose of a sovereign, strong, proud Jewish state is that it will defend its own uh, come hell or high water. And that and that is the uh, that's the consensus wall to wall unanimous uh, sentiment here now. I want to follow up on that, if I could, Tom, because we've been hearing the use of the word existential uh, often uh, over the past seven days. Uh, this the, the word has got mentioned everywhere. We're talking about the very concept of existence. And I think people still, whether it be in the United States or in other places, don't quite grasp that Israelis would view this attack that has cost the lives of upwards of, of 1,200 people is a conversation about existence. If you could expand on on how Israelis see that concept. Well, we now know, as if we didn't know before, that this is not a battle over land. It's not a battle over political rights. It's not a war over territory or legitimacy. Uh, uh, we are confronting an enemy that has this uh, uh, messianic vision of redemption through martyrdom. This is a this is a hardcore Islamist belief that has gained tremendous strength in the past fifty or sixty years inside the Muslim world. That uh, the ultimate purpose of life is to seek death through martyrdom. That's the religious belief. That's the core of these fanatics who hold sway in too much of the Arab and Muslim world. And in Gaza, you have, in Hamas, which rules the territory, and in the Palestine Islamic Jihad, a a, a, a subgroup of of Hamas that claims it acts independently. These are, are, um, um, you talk about Christian end times, the view of the end of the world. Well, this is the, this is the polar opposite of that. This is uh, uh, a death cult that seeks to destroy the Jewish people, to murder every single Jew in this land, and ultimately to conquer the world. I mean, Jews are, it's been said, the world's minor canary. Um, We're usually the first to face crises like this, but we're never, ever, ever the last. Uh, 
lands, I mean, enemies that, that, that seek out Jews, uh, seek out Christians and all non-believers. And the murders were one thing. The desecrations, the dismemberments, the murdering of babies, the shooting up of nursing home patients in their beds. Uh, I mean, some of this stuff, Tony, is so sadistic, so beyond any ability to describe, let alone comprehend that, you know, there's a I'm personally torn because these descriptions are so horrific uh, that the natural instinct, Tony, is to shy away from them, not to want to talk about them. But we must talk about them. We must see these images. We must understand the danger and the threat that all of us face, whether we're sitting here in Tel Aviv or we're at home in India or we're driving to work. Um, Let uh, let me uh, let me jump in for a moment. Talking to Tom Rose, former publisher of the Jerusalem Post, a longtime uh, guest and guest host on WIBC. Uh, We know that 360,000 reservists have uh, reported. We know that doctors and nurses have come in from around the globe to to give aid. We know that the word was given that there should be an evacuation of northern Gaza over the next 24 hours. Um, We know that there has been waiting for a ground offensive. Is there word on whether that ground offensive will come today? And is there word on what you, just being north of Tel Aviv, 40 miles from Gaza, or others in Israel are expecting if that ground offensive should start today, which would be interesting starting on Shabbat? Well, I think um, the uh, Shabbat uh, angle is an interesting one. I think, in, in, I don't think, in, in times of war, uh, all the laws related to observance of the Jewish Sabbath are are set aside. Uh, there's a concept in Judaism called protecting life. The Hebrew term is pikuach nefesh, which takes precedence over uh, um, Jewish law uh, in everything, with the exception of, of uh, murder or uh, violating, you know, marital vows, stuff like that. So that that is not an issue. Um, whether, when, and how this thing is undergoing and uh, when it begins. Um, you would know as much, perhaps even more than than I do. There is uh, an imposed military censorship here that impacts local media. But what local media does then is simply repeats what what foreign media says. So there might be a disconnect between what we here on the ground understand and know. Um, the country is absolutely on a, a, a war footing. I've been here on and off for 35 years. Um, been here during the war, uh, the first Gulf War, uh, one of the, uh, the Hamas wars, and then the, the terrible intifada before and after 9-11. Uh, I've never seen anything like this. This is, this is a, a, a complete war footing. And from a domestic perspective, Tony, I realize there are military exigencies, but um, the longer this goes on, the more damage it does to the country. I and mean, the country is literally closed. I'm looking out. I'm in a, a high-rise building. I'm looking out, and the streets are deserted, and all the stores are closed, and the economic costs amount by the day. But there is uh, a solidarity, the likes of which I've never seen uh, before, and it's the most inspiring, um, the most uh, ennobling thing one can imagine in the face of such horror. 
Tom Rose, former publisher of the Jerusalem Post, uh, longtime guest and guest host here at WIBC. Uh, I, I'm thrilled that you called in. Uh, I'm glad you reached out. Uh, stay safe. Stay well. Keep us posted. I'd love to have you back. And uh, I look forward to seeing you soon, uh, including on the streets of Tel Aviv. Well, you're a good man, Tony Katz. Thank you very much. God bless, and God bless everybody back home in Indy. Tom Rose, appreciate it again, um, the updates, and, and uh, we will get more. As it, It's very clear this ground offensive is either going to start or the reason to try put fear into Hamas has begun and, and the beginning of a, of a back and forth. Uh, I don't know. I, again, I, I take a look at the ground. I'm like, how do you even do the ground offensive? It's just, it's all rubble. But I have to assume they've spent more time doing this and thinking about this and strategizing this and understand their technological capabilities more than I do. We will wait, we will watch, we will see. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz Today. And I think this is very important. What Israel is saying consistently is, if you want your water, if you want your electricity, release our hostages. In my view, that's that's not an irrational question. That's not an irrational demand. Release our people that you are holding here. And they should, but in the process, they should really refrain from committing war crimes or terror because they're going to lose the goodwill. I do think it's very important, though. Can we just stop listening to them. I I don't know if Anna Navarro was saying that it's wrong to say give us back our people or 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 we will never give you water again. I don't know why that's a problem. But for Sonny Hostin to talk about Israel being worried about war crimes. We live in the upside down. That is all. These people are surreal and silly and it's imperative that you do not give them power. It's unbelievably important that you ensure that these people never get a chance to have control. And this brings us to elections, and that creates its own fight. And it creates a lot of this this outrageous negativity. I was at a, a barbecue event last week, and we were raising money for a local charity, Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's great to be with you. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. And and this this local charity was about helping kids get food, uh, have a Christmas, those kinds of things. And somebody was talking to me about, because well, the, the day of this event, everything in Israel was just breaking and, and things with the election. And they were telling me, well, you see, the, the fix is in. It's all over. You see, you see, this is what they're doing. I said, well, I, I think that you got to fight here, fight there. And he said to me, oh, look, I, I don't have to worry because I know everything's in the Lord's hands. To which I asked the following question. And looking back on it later, I do not know if I offended or rather I forced a reset. He said to me, I don't have to worry everything because I know everything's in the Lord's hands. To which I said, then why are you discussing it with me? Why are you bringing it up as if it's something that is an issue when you then want to share with me 
as if there is nothing that can be done about it. Now, I don't think people who are religious believe that there's nothing that can be done about it. I think they do um, have have a level of faith and say, you know, God take the wheel, it's in God's hands, and and I, I can appreciate that. But I would find it to be outrageous, for example, in the case of Israel, if they said, well, 1,200 of our people, 1,000 of our people have been, have been murdered. I, I really hope God takes care of this. That, that seems, it seems to me to be an odd response, an irrational one. If you say to me, the fix is in, Tony, you'll never win another election again, they're cheating everywhere, and then say to me, well, it's up to God. I must say to you that, that I don't actually think that's what God wants of us. I don't think we were given free will. I don't think we were given this innate desire to have a better life and a better society, to be able to recognize good and evil, which so much of the story of the Garden of Eden is actually about. The apple isn't forbidden fruit. The apple is the proof of the existence of a soul. Wait till you hear that story. I blew my mind. But we get to decide the response. It is, it is to the extent that we are human different than animals we must fight to provide better we must be moral people but we must not allow ourselves to be abused because somebody claims immorality upon us no remember Anna Navarro and Sunny Hosted have never thought anything past what's going to sound good on a television camera. This is Tony Katz today.